We're back on uh, our, our series, The Year of the Bible. Man, and so many of you people are actually reading the Bible. Like, th this is so much fun. You're sending me emails, and we're, we're having conversations, and like together, we are reading the Bible. We're really doing it. And if, if this is your first time here, I want you to know that uh, we're going through 52 weeks of reading the Bible together. We're sending out reading plans. You may have got one when you walked in. If you, if you hadn't read yet and you want to jump on, jump on. Like in the reading plan for Monday, don't try to go back and read everything because you'll get lost. Uh, but we're reading this thing together, and then I'm talking about what y'all are reading. And so today we're going to talk about something that's so cool. Uh, it's, uh, it's not necessarily like the most, you don't just think about this and go, oh, that's exciting or life-changing. But what we're going to talk about today helps you know the character of God. And if, if you want to know Jesus, you need to know God because you need to know the Father to know the Son, and God is Jesus, and Jesus is God, and so all these things matter. And so today we're going to talk about something you're going to see over and over in your readings, and you've already seen if you've been reading, and it's this concept of covenant. Today we're going to talk about what, what covenant means to God. To us, covenant doesn't mean a whole lot, um, because we break vows, we break promises, and we're, we're, we're always, uh, swear. I swear I will do this, and then you don't do it. We promise to pray for people, and it never, I mean, covenant to us is not necessarily that big of a deal. But to God and to the audience that God is speaking to, covenant was huge. Covenant was part of life. Covenant was what they did. And covenant was, was so important. It, it, was, it was like as if you entered into a covenant with someone, they had become your family, you are now bound together. The word covenant comes from a Latin word, which means coming together. Don't look that up. Just trust me. Don't ever look up a pastor when he says Latin or he just trust them. It means coming together. It's, it's, this, it's this binding, this amazing binding that happens when two people enter into a covenant together and those two have become one through a covenant. And there was, there was several different kinds of covenant. There could be a covenant between two peers, two people who were equal. Uh, like if, if, if me and you were going to enter into covenant together for the sake of fighting some other people, we would be two equals and we would negotiate the terms and then we would, we would come into covenant together. And then the other kind of covenant, which you're going to see over and over, is, is a covenant where one party is dominant and the other party is, is the weaker party. In every covenant God made with people, this is important, God is always the dominant party in the covenant. And so because God is the dominant party, God gets to set the terms of the covenant. Because when you're the dominant party, you get to set the terms. And there were, there were some things that covenants always had. They always had terms and conditions, and, and they always had uh, blessings and curses. If you kept the covenant, there was a blessing. If you didn't, there was a curse. And they always had like a sign or a seal of something like, this is the seal of the covenant. And so God issues covenants with people in which God always sets the terms. And some of God's covenants were conditional, and some of them were unconditional. And if you think about it, this really isn't that difficult of a concept for us to grasp because m many of you have kids, right? With your children, you have unconditional covenants and you have conditional covenants. With my kids, there is an unconditional covenant. I will always love you. I tell them that I will, I will always, no matter what you do, I will still love you. That is an unconditional covenant. There is nothing my kids can do that will ever cause me to not love them. But there are also some conditional covenants, such as, I'm going to pay your light bill. That's conditional, right? 
Because if you're, you know, if they're 18 or 19 and they're just sitting on the couch all day playing PlayStation, that covenant's going to be broken. Out. I mean, I will always put a roof over your head. That's a conditional covenant. No, I won't. Because like I say, if you're still just in my house, just sucking up oxygen, you're not doing it. At some point, I'm going to say, out. The iPad. Daddy, let me watch the iPad. You can watch it as long as you do. Bah, that's a conditional covenant. Caden with his cell phone. You can have your cell phone as long as you. Bah, that's a conditional covenant. There are conditional covenants and there are unconditional covenants between me and my children. It's the same way between God and us. There are conditional covenants and there are unconditional. And in your reading, you've already seen both. And so we're going to start today by looking at one of the, uh, oh, by the way, this is, uh, I love the fact that we have so many people here reading the Bible for the first time because the Old Testament, all that means is Old Covenant. And the New Testament, all that means is New Covenant. And, and what binds the entire book together is covenant. You got an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. And so we're going to look at an at a unconditional uh, covenant from the Old Testament. It's in Genesis 9, 11, and it says this. I establish my covenant with you. He's, this is God. He's talking to Noah. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Isn't that cool? God says to Noah, listen, you guys read the story. Hey, by the way, interesting side note on the flood. This isn't in my notes, but did you know every world religion tells a story of a great flood? And a lot of people will say, well, that tells me that it's not true. Really? <laughs> that tells me that there, that may be true. If every world religion tells a story of a great flood, if everyone believes it happened, then yeah, it may be. But so there was this great flood and the earth was wiped out. And then God comes back to Noah and says, I'm never going to do that again. And, and this covenant has nothing to do with anything Noah did. Because Noah got off the ark and made some strange choices. <laughs> has nothing to do with Noah. And God doesn't say, Noah, if you, if you mess up, I'm going to flood you. It's just, I am never going to do this again. And here's a sign. And the sign that I'm never going to do it again is the rainbow. Man, what a cool, isn't it fun to be God? He's like, I'm, I'm going to make you a promise and I'm going to seal it with a rainbow. Because I can. I mean, that's great. And so every time you see a rainbow, you see a sign of God's unconditional covenant to you that he will never do that to the earth again. But not all of God's covenants are unconditional. In Genesis 17, uh, we see a, a very different kind of covenant. And this is God talking to Abraham. And it says this. In Genesis 17, we'll start about verse 3. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will now be Abraham. For I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting and the God between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come. I will be your God and the God of your descendants after you and the whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, 
You must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision. It will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born into your household or bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be the everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised will be cut off from his people because he has broken my covenant. All right. Whoa. Really escalated quickly. So, so God goes to Abraham and says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. You are, and Abraham and Sarah wanted to have kids. Abraham is like 90 years old at this point. They do not think it's possible for them to have children. God comes to Abraham and guys, this, this is big. This is important stuff. When you read the rest of the story, this matters. God comes to Abraham and says, I am going to make you the father of a nation. You will have offspring, and your offspring will have offspring, and you will be fruitful, and I will give you more children than there are stars in the sky. I'm going to make you the father of this great nation. This is my covenant to you. And Abraham's like, yes, whoa, this is a good one. And then God goes, but there's a condition. You need to be circumcised. And that will be the sign that this is a conditional covenant because if you choose not to be circumcised, then you've chosen to be cut off from my people. So I'm going to do all this. I'm the dominant party. God is the dominant party. He's, he's establishing the covenant. He's setting the parameters of the deal. Abraham, are you in? Here's my offer. Or do you want this? And I put myself in that story and I'm like, all right, if, I, if I'm there and I'm Abraham, the first thing I say to God is this. You gave Noah a rainbow. And I, is there, could I have a thunderstorm or a sunset? Is there anything other than circumcision we can do to seal this deal? Wouldn't you ask that? I mean, the, God, is there something else? I don't know, man. So Abraham goes back to his people. Guys, I got good news. God has made us a deal. We're about to be a great nation. They're like, yeah, yeah. I got some other news. Everybody who's in me needs to line up over here because you're about to get circumcised. They're like, with what? There's not like a hospital around here. Willie's got a rock. I mean, really? I mean, this is, I don't understand. This is a crazy, but that's the deal. And why circumcision? And a lot of people debate about this. And a lot of people talk about this. They believe, number one, it's a sign of true obedience. That's for sure. Number two is, this is what made God's people distinct. No one else was doing this. Believe me, this was not popular. So, so for God's people, this was a mark that made them look different. It was something unique and special, so they stood out in the world. It was a sign of sin being cut out of your life. And you're taking an oath and a vow, and he said, from ev everyone who comes in, 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 in your tribe. I want them to be circumcised, and that says they are part of this great nation. So this is a covenant, but the covenant is conditional. And then God later on gives the nation of Israel. And, this, and by the way, God kept his word to Abraham. Do we have that chart back there by any chance? So 
Abraham's up there at the top. And guys, this, this is important. You don't have to memorize the old chart, but Abraham's up there at the top. Abraham and Sarah have a child, right? Isaac. Isaac has a child, two children. They have all these kids. And what you end up with is these 12 people who become 12 tribes of Israel. And from that eventually comes King David and Jesus Christ. So from this promise made to Abraham, this covenant between God and Abraham, comes this nation of Israel. And from the nation of Israel, eventually comes Jesus Christ. And all the nation of Israel is, is 12 tribes that form one group. All right? That's important. You're going to need to know that going forward. And then later on, God comes again to this nation of Israel. And now he's speaking through, Mo he's talking to Moses. And he's delivered them from slavery in Egypt and in Exodus, which you'll come to soon. He makes another covenant. And it says this in Exodus 19.3. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob. You are to tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of the nations you will be my treasured possession Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. All right, so, so from Abraham, God creates this amazing nation, and they make some really, really bad decisions, believe it or not, because they're people. And then God comes to them again. Moses, this, this nation has become captive in Egypt. God leads them out of captivity. That's a total and complete act of grace because they didn't deserve it. Before they'd done anything, God leads them out of slavery and out of captivity. He's got them in the desert. They're leaving Egypt. They're headed for somewhere new. God comes to Moses and says, all right, I'm making a covenant with you. I am going to make this a holy nation of all the people in the world. This will be, you will be my chosen possession, this nation of Israel. I'm going to do amazing things through you. And Moses is like, yes, yes. And God says, but there's a catch. I'm giving you 613 laws I want you to follow. And Moses said, can't I just be circumcised? <laughs> right? Which he already was. But 613 rules. 613 laws. God says, you are going to be my holy nation, but you need to follow these rules. And then God says, and when you don't follow the rules, I'm going to set up a system so that you can be right with me again. What you're going to do is, if you break one of the rules, you're going to go get a goat or a chicken or a sheep or a donkey or a camel or whatever, and you're going to sacrifice it to me. So this system is set up of this, of this covenant between God and this, and this chosen people, Israel, an animal sacrifice in the rest of the Old Testament is the story of that nation under that covenant and what God is doing with them. And God, with this nation of Israel, with this remnant of people, he protects them and he, and he sometimes punishes them and he encourages them and he leads them and he guides them. And from this little remnant of people, a people surrounded by people who hate them, which, by the way, Israel is still a small remnant surrounded by people who hate them. From this little group of people, God brings Jesus Christ into the world. And when Christ comes into the world, we move to Matthew or the New Testament or the New Covenant. And the New Covenant is better. It's, it's, it's better by far. Is what Jesus, it's, it is, in the Old Covenant... 
or the Old Testament, uh, God forgave sin, but in the New Covenant, God has destroyed sin. In the Old Covenant, it required animal sacrifice. In the New Covenant, Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. He's paid the price. He, he has completed it. In the Old Covenant, you were under the law. In the New Covenant, you were under the grace of Jesus Christ because he fulfilled the law. In the Old Covenant, it was about man's inability to keep the rules. In the New Covenant, God made a covenant and then Jesus fulfilled both sides of it. He became the weaker party and the greater party. In the New Covenant, you have been set free from a life of sacrifice and sin and death. The new covenant is better by far because it is the last promise our God will ever need to make. Through Jesus Christ, you have been set free. And so, what does any of this mean to you? What's the takeaway? The, the, the takeaway is this. I think this is so important. In the new covenant with Jesus Christ, there are still conditions, there are still stipulations, there are still blessings, and there are still curses. I think, I think that we've come to believe, especially the American Christian, that what Christ did covers everybody and what you did has, doesn't make any difference. I've got Jesus. I can do whatever I want. I think, I think we, we don't understand there's still conditions to the covenant. We don't understand there's a premise to the promise. And when you miss that, you miss out on so much of what Christ came to bring. This watered-down version of grace and Christianity that we've adopted as truth is simply not the story you get when you read the Bible. And so what does it boil down to? Proverbs, which many of you guys read. This is a consistent thread throughout the entire Bible. Proverbs 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Abraham was counted as righteous because he believed God. Because he trusted God. And that trust was apparent in how he lived and what he did. And we experience the promise of the new covenant when we trust Christ. When you place your faith in Christ. The condition of the new covenant is faith in Jesus Christ. If you do not place your faith in Jesus Christ, you do not get the blessing. To not place your faith in Jesus Christ is to call down the curse. To not place your faith in the promise of Jesus. You do not experience the promise if you do not grasp the premise in the premises grace responded to by faith. And outside of that, you are missing out on what Christ came to bring. Guys, this is, there are conditions. And listen, I'm not even talking about heaven. Let's, let's, take, let's take heaven off the board because people get in all sorts of debates about that. But Christ didn't come to the world saying, I came to take everybody to heaven. He came and said, the kingdom of heaven has arrived here. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Christ showed up, he didn't just show up so that you would get into heaven. He showed up so that heaven would be apparent through you here now. He said, the kingdom has come. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. There's a big difference. And so to experience the blessings of the promise, to experience the blessings of the covenant, you must understand the conditions. In Matthew chapter 5, have any of y'all read Matthew 5 through 7 in your readings yet? Whoo! It's a series of conditional covenants. He says, you want to be blessed? 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, blessed are the merciful. Actually, you know, I'm going to start in verse 3. I don't think it's on the screen, but that's right. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure at heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't say blessed is everyone. It says blessed are those who accept the conditions of the covenant, place their faith in Jesus Christ, and their life is changed. God circumcised the sign of the new sign of the old covenant because it made you look different. Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is the sign of the new covenant because we should look different. The more I read this book, the more I'm convicted that just showing up doesn't do anything. Just sitting in church week after week and going back to the exact same life and, and not surrendering anything and not sacrificing anything and not ever suffering a little bit for Christ, I do not believe that you are experiencing the power of the promise because you have yet to adopt any of the premise. If you want to, this makes a tremendous difference for us. Why do we expect Jesus Christ to continually show us up and show up and bail us out of everything when we give him nothing? Nothing. We cheapen grace. Now, is, is great, God's love is unconditional, absolutely. And, and salvation is the free gift of God through Jesus Christ. You cannot earn it, and we do not deserve it. Absolutely. Those are all true things, right? But faith is required. And where faith is present, lives should look different. Where faith is present, Jesus' own brother said, Man, faith without works is dead. It's nothing. So my challenge is, is this. Read Matthew 5 through 7 and say, Does my life look anything like this? Does my life look anything like this? Like, is anything changing in the world because of me? Am I bringing peace where I go? Do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? God's just showing up. Just, just showing up into nothing. Am I doing anything for anybody? Anything. Have I suffered at all for Jesus Christ? And if not then reevaluate your walk. Stop and think. Stop and think, man. Examine it. Uh, examine your heart. Examine your motives. Because if you think just showing up week after week, nowhere in the Bible does it say blessed are those who show up. We were not designed to show up. We were designed so that God could show out through us. That's a big difference, guys. Search your heart. I'm doing it too, man. Believe me. Believe me. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm just in a spot in my life where I'm searching my heart. Because what I've given him so far is not enough. Search yours. Count the cost. Do you want the covenant? If so, consider the conditions. If you have never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ, maybe today's the day you do it. If you need to tell him you're sorry, maybe it's time. The covenant is true. The king is here. The promise is real. Do your part.